the podcast of Candy. I'm Sam, pronouns she, her. I'm Emil, pronouns he, they. And this is our niche self-indulgent mini-series where we talk all things A Crown of Candy. This week, we're talking about flaws in A Crown of Candy. So here's our guest, who honestly needs no introduction at all, August Cloudmancy. Hey, I'm August, um, and my pronouns are they, them. Just in case you're listening to this podcast without any idea of what we're talking about, Crown of Candy is a D&D campaign about what is essentially Candyland Game of Thrones. What is Crown of Candy? Who knows? If you don't know what it is, then... Too bad. Well, that's fine. That's simply fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's, you're better off. Okay. Of course, like all our other episodes, massive spoiler warning for the whole season and also maybe a few other Dimension 20 seasons. Yes. So, first off... I guess in this episode, is they're going to say, like, criticism is an act of love. Uh, these are our opinions. We're going this deep into, like, basically what is going to be the critical episode of um, this show because, yeah, we love this show. We think it can be better. And we love to discuss, I guess, what makes media good and bad. I loved Crown of Candy so much. Like, I was in – I don't know about um, the two of you, but I was incredibly hyped for it the moment um, – it was announced like I was in the cafeteria in my high school like <gasps> looking at the dropout <laughs> release trailer and I've just been so hyped for the season and I still like it a lot but there were a lot of things that could have been addressed about it to make it even better yeah for sure yeah no mm-hmm. I'm yeah I didn't start the season thinking it would be my favorite season like at all and then like oh I was like oh this is gonna be totally my thing and it was <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was like oh uh, yeah I got like four episodes in I think that was the first episode I watched live and I was like this is so good um, yeah, and then now it's my favorite season of all time. So, yeah, it was the first season I watched, and that was probably for the best because I don't think I'm watching Fantasy High now, but it's still not like as like straight into the brain as A Crown of Candy was for me because I do like those deadlier stories. So I think that was a good decision on my part. Yeah, um, so true. <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed with the fact that. Like, Sam got you an ACOC, and now you're just having a podcast with her. Yeah, (laughs) so true. We don't know if any cast or crew members will be listening to this podcast, but if you are, first of all, hi, how have you liked it? Second (laughs) of all, please don't take this too personally. We love you all, and that's why we're pointing out a few flaws to make you better. (gasps) Sorry. (laughs) The dead silence. That's so funny to me, like... You should listen to our, our episode because this will make your show better. It's so funny to me. Yeah, come on. We're going to get you yeah, I subscribers. Don't, I don't know. Okay, that's fully a joke because I, like, obviously you guys can't change the season yeah. after it's been recorded, but, you know, it's kind of soothing catharsis, I, I guess, to, like, discuss some of the things that we've thought about over the course of the season to just kind of express our opinions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, like, fun to think about as well, just as someone yeah loves talking about the media um they're into it's just like yeah it's fun to discuss why things may have made things like worse or like made this fan reaction happen or didn't make it as interesting to watch kind of thing so even if we are like discussing like the flaws and what technically we didn't like about it um it's also just more of like yeah just like an interesting discussion and yeah it shouldn't be taken badly Mm -hmm. basically (laughs) right Okay, so I really did like, I like how much Dimension 20 stepped away from their usual, um, not genre, maybe it's the genre, but the format, format, yes, in A Crown of Candy. Um, They really went out and experimented a lot. And that was like immediately obvious to me Mm. from like the very first moment the trailer dropped. It was 
that trailer was really something. I still rewatch it sometimes to get like the <laughs> serotonin. Um, yeah. It was the first and maybe like the last kind of trailer we'll see from Dimension 20 in, mm. in that style because they've gone back to just like the talking head style of the cat, like snippets of the cast talking at the screen. Yeah, you know? I think it was like super cinematic in that like every, yeah, it felt like a trailer for a movie or like a TV series as opposed to like a D&D show. <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible. The trailer definitely was part of what hyped me up so much because it was incredibly cinematic. Like mm. the, oh, the maps, the the battle sets, they were all from so clearly different areas and it really gave you mm. like a sense of grandeur and like yeah, scale and like scale. weight to the world, you know? It, and it was like so exciting to me. I was like, what could happen? Anything could happen. It was just so good. Yes. Um, <laughs> and... I do like that they went and experimented with um, Crown Candy in this way. I think way. it's like, yeah, I really like that they stepped away from their format, but like the experimentation didn't come with like its downfalls, right? Like there were things that worked and then things that didn't. Um, <clears throat> yes. One thing I did really enjoy, like talking, jumping off of that trailer point, is that like um, the YouTube premiere format of like they released the episodes um, on YouTube live and everyone could watch them at the same time and sort of react to the YouTube chat. Um, was really fun even if it also came with its fair share of issues um, in terms of like modding because this was a pretty oh, intense season definitely um, definitely but, but that was I do like yeah I do like the thing about the premiere is that it synced everybody up right all the fans mm. I mean you could watch on dropout and like but really why would you when you could all start yeah. at the same time with everybody in the audience and it was really like it, re- it was really something like the sense of community right um, it was kind of like a fantasy high sophomore year. And I don't think it's um, a coincidence that fantasy high sophomore year and a crowd of candy, at least within my circles of friends, were like the most well-received mm. um, seasons because you were synced up, right? Like no one was skipping ahead. No one, like people tried to be on, show up on time. It really felt like everybody yeah. falling in <laughs> to like watch together and react together. And it was, it was just a really great sense. Yeah, it yeah. was a really great sense of community. <laughs> Was good. And I think also because of sort of aired during COVID um, that like people didn't really have anything to do anyways. <laughs> like they couldn't go out. So everyone, like I feel like that surge and like uh, fan popularity and everyone tuning in at the same time is also because, yeah, like people didn't really have anything to do. So they just came and watched the show, which is, yeah, <laughs> it was good. So true. Yeah, that also happened for Fantasy High sophomore year though. It wasn't, that wouldn't, that one aired from about, when was it, November to... Like March, I want to say Feb, March, May, March, um, because like I know the I know the trailer. I know Crown of Candy was during April, so I, I must remember, have been before that. Yeah, I think it was like something March and April because I remember I got into Fantasy High around March, um, and I remember That's finishing so like a day after the Fantasy High Surf of the Year finale had it. Right, and I guess one of the differences that let's <laughs> one of the differences that Fantasy High sophomore year and Crown of Candy has was like the format that the show was actually in because yeah and just sophomore year they had a live show format they didn't have the battle sets and the mm-hmm. battle sets were like they were very constraining for the um like it was a very ambitious sort of experimental format they were trying out with the crown candy right but they were still um they still had to stick to the dimension 20 formula which mm. is battle set rp episode battle set rp episode which honestly like the battle sets are gorgeous they're they they're, they are wonderful but when you have this sort of ambitious season like you have for a crown of candy 
um, you really want to get into like the political machinations of it all. You know, you want to get into the intrigue. You want to get into the character motivations. That's what you're really looking for mm. in a campaign like this. Mm. You want to see like the larger scale impact of your character's actions on the world around you. And yes. it's just difficult to do that when you know that you have up to two hours for this episode and then you have to you know like because it's yeah. after a battle episode it's not just you have two hours for role play it's you have to deal with the repercussions of the last battle and then you have to like lead you as the dm have to lead the events into the next battle so you maybe only have about like an hour at most to like really let your pcs do what they want and like explore what they want and detail the world around them which is kind of an issue yeah definitely yeah huh I think it also goes into just kind of the mechanics of D&D, wherein D&D is very much marked by the end of the battle until the next battle, and that can obviously be seen in, like, the mechanics they have for long rest, short rest, you don't have access to certain things until you've, like, mm. taken a break, and that's only because we want you to be prepared for the next battle. I can't do whatever I need to do until we um, kill the enemy right here and right now. It's yeah. a lot harder to let your players really be immersed in a world and let them get sidetracked because it's like, okay, you can have like a 20 minute conversation with this dude who's not important, or you can get to the villain and finish this up. Yeah, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because D&D is such a combat heavy, um, it's such a combat heavy format, right? And so it's like, I think that was like the draw of the initial fantasy high season was that sort of like the battle sets and the role play battle, role play battle um, sort of campaign. But then with A Crowd of Candy, the genre is way more subtle and way more about like the mystery and figuring out um, characters, mm. right? A lot of more, yeah, it's very character heavy is sort of that, uh, this genre. And yeah, it didn't sort of, it didn't work with this, with how combat heavy D&D was and also like um, the previous formula of the show. Right, and here's the thing. Dungeons & Dragons is a very specific system for a very specific type of game that you want to play, and more mm -hmm. often than not, that game is um, a high fantasy world of, like, orcs and, like, monsters mm. and, like, one-dimensional heroes. Sorry to d, &D mm -hmm. fans out there. That's just how it is. <laughs> Hack the system however you want. It's just not built for that. You know, you have to put the work into it, and you do get great results if you want to homebrew things. It's just... This is not what D&D was built for. Mm. And the battle, like a lot of, over half of the battle mechanics in D&D are made for um, magic. And when you are in an ostensibly like low magic system, mm. like not system, a world like Crown Candy in Calorum where magic is supposed to be rare. Like I'm pretty sure every single one of the classes can multi-class into something that involves magic at some point in mm. their, um, in the path. And it's just, was this the right system for the kind of story that you wanted to tell? Yeah, I think I think for that, arguably though, it could be like I kind of enjoyed that like it was such a magic heavy system system that suddenly took magic out of it because I think that sort of made the contrast of like this is so low fantasy and mantis and fantasy and magic is such a <laughs> magic is such an important part of the world and that is being taken away. Um, I like that that sort of parallels also the mechanics of the game itself. Um, because magic is super important in this world, but it's being like suppressed by the Bulgarian church. Um, so in a so way, true. I also did enjoy like how the mechanic reflected this world itself. Right, right. So <laughs> D&D mechanics, there's, there's a lot of mechanics in D&D. There is truly, like I, I downloaded the, um, the DM's handbook about three years ago for, to run a game for my um, players. And mm. 
it was truly like 500 pdf pages long like it crashed my laptop the first try time i tried to open it um and i'm just and uh, most of those most of those mechanics are combat oriented there's mm. really very little rp involved mechanics um i would say considering i've been playing a few other rpg systems and a lot of these reward like rp choices you know you get exp for making choices that are in character you get exp for um dealing with factions that your character would have connections to you get exp yeah. for playing your characters a certain way DD doesn't have that DD rewards one thing only which is like killing monsters is what it <laughs> what it's made for and that's yeah. fine that's like totally fine for the kind of game that um for any kind of game you want to play but maybe not this one maybe yeah. not game where it's not about monsters it's about people right where everyone here is like human variant and your enemies are going to be all soldiers and like humans it's like yeah this just kind of didn't quite work it's kind of a shame um i do want to say that ali brought up this really cool idea in one of the um adventuring parties for the unsleeping city where they were like um it was it'd be cool to have the fixed sets because so like the really the sets are such a big draw in right so we do want to keep those but um sort of have the looser format that the unsleeping city 2 has right now where it's sort of um, the, there's no fixed episodes where one of them has to be roleplay, one of them has to be a battle. Sometimes they stop in the middle of a battle or um, the roleplay takes one and a half episodes. Um, so having that sort of fluid thing where you just sort of play through um, a game and then just when you hit a set, um, you use it and you just play all the way through until all the sets are used um, would have been, I think, mm -hmm. actually like the best answer for A Crown of Candy, I think, in terms of like fixing yeah, the format I think, issue. I think they're even doing that a little with, the unsleeping city season two because now they have the whole um luxury and also like um limitation that they're have all their sets on roll 20 so mm. it's not a matter of oh okay today is our role our our combat episode we have to leg in all the combat and leg in the mini figures and make sure that all the minis are here because production wise that's also something that you have to like take into account that all those things have to be accounted for. With Roll20, it's like, oh, okay, let's take as much time as we need to roleplay, and then Brennan will open the tab of their new, like, combat set whenever it's necessary. Yeah. So I think them learning Roll20 and having, like, I think at one point in the season, there was, like, two roleplay episodes in a roll, and then the combat didn't happen until, like, the middle of the third episode. <laughs> um, yeah. I think them exploring having longer roleplay episodes is could be a lead up to having another season in Calorum or another like universe where they can actually be able to roleplay a lot more and get to the combat whenever it feels natural mm. for them. Yeah, because at this point I do think like a huge draw of Dimension 20 is the fact that they're such great actors and the world mm. building is so incredible and I think um, yeah, I think they're getting to a point where they are realizing that yeah, people are also here for the world building and so really exploring that is going to be like a huge pull, I guess. Um, yeah. And another another plus for the uh, having these sets um, just being there available for use whenever they need to be used is, you know, like in a world like Calrum, I guess there is a storyline that a general storyline that you might want to follow in the story. But I see a crown of candy less like when you compare it to um, Fantasy High or the Unsleeping City. Mm. Or Escape from the Blood Keep, for example, there is a linear storyline you expect the players to follow, right? You want the play, you want the oh major 
like major major spoilers for all those seasons but you know you want the bad kids to fight the evil vice principal you want the um mm. you want the he's evil kid. oh wait i forgot a meal was only halfway through i did not know that continue oh my god i i knew Bro, they felt like so... the nightmare <laughs> At some point, and I was like, oh, that's probably the big bad. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, it's okay. I'll get over it. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. That is actually... Okay, okay. No, this is I'm glad fun. we recorded this... that. I'm glad we recorded that. <laughs> Just like, he's evil? It's so funny. He's mortifying. Oh, my God. But, I'm so um, sorry. Yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> you want the dream team to... uh you know, do what they do at the at the in the finale. Um, there's a storyline that they want you to follow. But in a world like Calrum, where you know the PCs are just people, like yeah, they're kings and they're like royals and they're they have influence, but they're just people. And I feel like that's a world where it's more of, you know, here is a world that will move with you and will react to your actions, and you play to find out what happens you know mm. like i don't feel like you should be forcing a storyline into this like a storyline will develop because there's so many moving parts yeah and so many like you have when you have so much influence anything that you do will inevitably you know cause other factions to act and react with you mm. and that will it's like it will all tangled together whether you like it or not i just don't think it should have come pre-tangled is what i'm saying and that yeah. having the action sets being there but not used until they're necessary would be a good reflection of that and it would work well for the format yes and i think definitely um with like calorum existing and like a crown of candy as uh um as a genre i was totally expecting them to at least visit every country like at least once oh, like that yeah. was sort of my expectation going into it like oh this is like a world with six nations like obviously they're going to visit all six nations because that was just sort of the idea for me and then like as the episodes kept getting closer and I was like they're still in candy I was like oh no <laughs> like we're actually not even gonna be able to see like Vegetania or Ceresia or the Meatlands like the Meatlands um, oh the rising oh like the feeling of disappointment in me when they got on the boat and then Amber was like yeah take us back to candy I know I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah I was oh it was it was such a shame um yeah and then hearing about the cut sets because, like, obviously production issues, it's, like, really hard to, like, book a place to film and then have all these annoying factors come in. Um, like, they couldn't control the fact that they had to cut episodes. And because, like, of the sets being already built, it's, like, they did have to be scrapped. Um, but it was, yeah, it was genuinely such a shame hearing about the sets in, like, um, Fructera and um, and I think it was the Meatlands because it was just, oh, it would have been so good. Yes, it was the arena. I really do think Crown of Candy suffered from, like, the... The fact that they had to have a set length of episodes. Like, I'm, I have mm. the huge map of Calorum on my wall. Like, I'm staring at it right now. And <laughs> one of the things that drew me in was just how vast the world was, you know? Yeah. Like, so much explore, so many. Like, I've seen a lot of fan characters for Crown of Candy. That's so simply oh, because yeah. it's so easy to imagine yourself in a world like this. Like, if you're trying to insert into Fantasy High, it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're a student, I guess. <laughs> like, you're, you're, just, you're just a guy there. You're just a guy, but in Alderum, you can be any number of guys. <laughs> All the guys. All so the guys. True. Just a variety of guys. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it just feels like such a shame that the party went from Kania to Kamada and then mm. looped back around to Kania. And that yeah. was like, oh my God, Sereja, the great dunes of grain, the the pilgrims yeah. go like all these names are so oh <laughs> god so I read... the virgin forest 
The I read oh a God. song of ice and fire when I was 12, which like the adults around me should not have let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing the map, just like it really recalled, like they tried to do the crown of candy map in the song of ice and fire style. And it like shows with like mm. the maps that they have and like the mm. kind of layout of the land and long roads. And it was just so exciting to me to be like, I wonder what we're going to be seeing in this right. um the season and then we didn't see any of that we didn't yeah <laughs> it, it sucked that it was so focused around candy and then we visited Comet briefly and then the dairy islands like not even dairy islands like the sea around the dairy islands really <sighs> and then back to candy which was like damn like you have like the virgin forest the chili sea the fucking um pangranos like all these different places i'm not even looking at the map right now this is all from the top of my head <laughs> um, scary just, like, map i just want to oh green hole god yeah like oh my god <laughs> yeah i think the world building is such a double-edged sword because it's what draws you in, but that's just the nature of D20 as a show, D&D as a medium. We're not going to get satisfied because we are limited to Candia for a very specific reason, and that's because they don't have the time to develop um, Meatlander civilians. They don't have the time to develop, like, vegetarian culture. They don't have the time to develop, like, the landscape around Fructero when they only had, like, how many was it? Like, 13 episodes? Or not 13, it was like, but... It was 17. 17. <laughs> 17. There we go. That's the right number. And so and- it's like... You fall in love with all the nations we don't get to see because, unfortunately, there's only so much you can fit in into, like, 17 episodes. I was trying to do the math of how many hours, but I could not. Um, (laughs) And so it's just like, oh, I get why they stay in Candia, but at the same time, I wish wish they wouldn't. I wish they just never Mm. went back to Candia. Yeah. And here's another thing, like, it's not just the fact that they had, like, the time limit. Of course it's that, of course it's that, but, um, like, it's the fact that because we're playing D&D, we have to stick with the perspective of the characters. Mm -hmm. And the characters' perspectives were that they were a royal family from Candia, that was them. And it didn't really, like, it started off with one of, like, the, the, uh, the, um, the king, the um the father of the family getting pulled over to Count Comeda because, you know, the Concordant Emperor is Did you forget Amethyst's name? <laughs> I know what his name is. I'm just trying to describe it in general terms. You know? okay. um, <laughs> I promise I know what Amethyst's name is. Yeah, but yeah, it's called the Comeda because, and it's just, it all escalates from there because it directly involves the family and the family doesn't mm. have reason to like associate with things that are outside their realm of control. And it's yeah. just, like, yeah. and even when you look at the backup characters, they're all, let me think of the backup characters. They're all, they are mostly canyons, aren't they? They're canyons. Or canyons. No, they're all canyons. They're all canyons. All yeah. canyons. Oh, God. Oh, that, that <laughs> I was going to bring that up. That, like, even, that even that if they all had been wiped so out, like all the first PCs had been wiped out, we still would have been inside of Candia because it's Sacrina the Marauder. Lou's backup character, who's like a little... I, I forgot what it was, but he's a little, he's a, he's a little, he's a little, little, he's a little guy. Um, we have Cumulus, Cotton Candy Man. We have um, Bitter Nights. Uh, I I can't even say their names, but they're all Candians, and they all have a very specific reason of why they're in Candia yeah. and why they don't want to leave because they're fighting for the country for one reason or another. So we wouldn't have ever left Candia, which is a shame. It's just so yeah. upsetting to me. It's yeah. so deeply upsetting it, to me. Um, it does make sense because. 
Um, because yeah, like the they wanted the characters to have like the leftover characters to have a reason to know these other Candians, but it's just such a yeah, it's such a lost opportunity to like make your backup characters like people from perhaps like outside the region. Um, so and just to I did have world. an issue. Yes, I did have an issue with the backup characters, which was that like it was very wishy washy whether or not they existed in the world or not because it would it would depend on the player's main character died mm. because. We had the foreshadowing. We had a bit of the foreshadowing. You know, there was a bandit spotted outside the woods. There's been, you know, the queen's champion took the troops upriver, but they're not important to the plot until they're needed. Which is just, it doesn't give them the opportunity for a character development. You know, like where did Cumulus just showed up out of nowhere? And mm-hmm. also, I feel like Brandon was hesitant to like kill the PCs off after the latter half of the campaign because it was like. They're not going to have the time to get developed, you know? Yeah. If they, you introduce them now, is the audience going to care about them? Is the cast going to care about them? And mm. it's just, I just think it was such a lost opportunity. Because imagine if the backup characters were, like, deeply entrenched in the plot of the world itself. Like, I would have loved it if, after their PC died, they would just switch the to, like, an NPC that existed, you know? Like, oh, mm. is... If Ruby died, like then um, Siobhan could have played like Plumbeline or something, like because she's already there. Yeah, she's already there, and you would have loved to know what was going on with her. But you know, if um, Ruby had died, we would have ended up with um, Bitter Night Dark Nips, which is great, I guess. But like, it's yeah, she's uh... even like the season has already like gotten so far, I guess, and then having to develop a whole new character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just would have been interesting if we could, you know do two things at once which is a expand more on a character that um like get the perspective of a character that was an antagonist um in a good half of the show and then also not have to like develop a new character from scratch because cumulus and um saccharina being added to the party that added so much drama to the party right because Mm. of the way that the characters were like it made sense because it was a family dynamic and finding out that you had a long lost like stepsister or like you your yeah. daughter is you had a daughter in the first place that <laughs> is so much yeah. um oh god i just would have loved it if like zach died and he had to play keratin that's just so <laughs> funny to me. yeah don't don't say don't say anything <laughs> no we're leaving that we're leaving that completely <laughs> um yeah i think with brennan i think with brennan it's like yeah because he can't switch the perspective of the main cast to like a place where the main cast aren't there so it's like if he were to like if we were to see any insight into the, like the npcs or the villains it's like everyone would have to leave the room and then brennan would have to talk to himself alone in an empty room for like 20 minutes um which i, mean, I, I would, would watch <laughs> i would love that um brennan is so good at like that kind of role play that i would actually genuinely enjoy that but um i can understand why he wouldn't want to do that I think bringing in guests for like, obviously that's a huge endeavor. Like you'd have to like pay guests and like book a whole nother schedule, but it would have been so fun to have like, um, yeah, guest players coming in to play just like NPCs for like an hour, just one episode where we sort of like, just, yes, like switching chapters in a book, like just stop the perspective of the rocks for like a quick second and then taking a look at this other, at this other um, group of people. So cool. Even if the ca- even if the main cast were like playing those villains, I think it would have been interesting because mm. um, even if it were the main cast doing that, it would have been interesting because if they made decisions in character as the villains, like that would have changed, you know, the plans, and then it wouldn't have yeah. just been Brennan like doing all the plans right. 
by himself like like the villain council imagine if the villain council were just like there for like two episodes in castle canyon oh discussing god. their plans oh my god then- i literally would have given like can you imagine just like yeah everyone playing like the villains um and then i guess like that's that meta level of they know what their characters are doing so they also have to refrain from like making decisions like they want to make decisions as villains but like not in a way that makes it easier for their main characters or harder for their main characters I guess. um but just thinking and they wouldn't would yeah and i think they're good enough actors to like not do yeah. that they wouldn't be like make and then after they switch back to the main perspective they wouldn't be like oh yeah i know this but, <laughs> yes. distant, but i'm gonna make the decision anyway like imagine how painful it would have been be like yeah let's do an ambush and then knowing that it wasn't gonna work but that's just what their character would have done just yeah. Ima- that's Ooh, yeah that would have been fun that would have been fun <laughs> so we actually had a really interesting question from an anon and curious cat that asked thoughts on the comedy to drama balance and or a lack of balance in the show and how compatible is the storytelling style of the main cast with the narrative like a crown of candy are there times you thought that the cast excelled at telling the narrative while maintaining possibility of comedic air versus times they flunked it trying to tell a joke or hit a story beat at the same time? Um, yes. I want to say sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Um, like, sometimes the juxtaposition was really good and I really enjoyed it. Like, especially the like the one that always comes to mind is when Ruby and Sakharina um are fighting and like the boat like Siobhan and Emily are like in tears and then Brennan just sort of like lightens the moment by being like um describing just their them like physically like the ice cream which just like walks down the stairs <laughs> and the licorice girl um like that was really I enjoyed I really liked that because it was like um because it left the confrontation um to sit there and with the weight it deserved but um Brennan was just lightening up the moment reminding everyone that it was just a game and these are just like food people um what I didn't what like personally felt a bit much to me was like Jet's funeral um where it was like I don't know the jelly bean farmer was a good sort of like it was a good gag but I don't think it should have been there like I think um having it right be in the middle of the funeral um I know Brennan was just trying to like make like lighten up the cast but um it was very like I wanted Jet's death and Jet's funeral to have the weight um, it deserved and just have this moment of like mourning and full seriousness because it was devastating and also um the same thing applies to like Liam's outburst of like um of like Liam crying over Preston at Jet's funeral I was just yeah. like oh oh and, oh and that hurt on a social level I was just like <laughs> yeah oh, oh. I was like oh this is just yeah it was like annoying I guess not to see Jet's funeral I guess be given a serious tone and I think that is a like mm. a conflict with sort of like what because they're comedians of what this cast was sort of used to doing um and I think like yeah like sometimes they were really good at it and sometimes it just did not hit I genuinely thought that Jelly Bean Armor was gonna be plot important or like attack <laughs> the party like that's <laughs> like what what other reason would you have for like yeah Amathar is like Lou was just staring at Brennan like yeah. dead eyed and <laughs> Brennan's like, and this little jelly bean farmer goes no one and picks up a little jelly bean and, and picks up and everyone's just looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Like, remember when Brennan made that joke about like the two balls and he was expecting people to laugh and dead silence. Yeah. Just, like the whole cast was just too traumatized to even like crack a smile at this like stupid joke. Like it was so funny. Just thousand yard stare. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, yes. So I do think, um, like, 
how compatible the storytelling style. I think the big draw of a crowd of candy is that um, it is really comedic and it is really light, despite it's all, all of its dark moments. Like that was its draw to me. Like it was always still an endeavor to have fun, um, even though all this like bullshit happens. Like I really enjoyed that bit. So I don't think they should have gotten rid of the comedy completely. Um, but I think just like the nature of improv is that sometimes these jokes aren't just not going to land as well as you thought they did. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is a personal thing. I, I feel like some of the jokes with the Tart Guard just weren't funny to me. I think it's just my sense of humor and oh, not I like, love oh, the run in with like, yeah, exactly. Just me personally, like, I, I think it's just because like, I'm fresh out of public school, like public <laughs> high school. And the Tart Guard just feels like a bunch of like athletes. <laughs> like, cis male athletes that's what the tag guys remind you of jocks that's why you hate it <laughs> yeah i'm anti-jock <laughs> but like it was just like i i don't know it's my personal like humor that's that um the tart guard didn't land with me that well at times like i'm gonna be my... real i don't remember what they said like what did the what, what were, were the jokes for like four episodes <laughs> yeah all the jokes were stuff like they tickled each other with their swords Again, that's why they felt like teenage boys who play sports to me. <laughs> I think it would, sometimes it worked because, like, I like that it was mostly during the first, like, couple episodes where it's yeah. like we're still establishing that this is sort of like a cartoony, fun, like, animated <laughs> series vibes. Um, and then, like, when they died off, like, when they had to, like, sacrifice themselves in the <laughs> cathedral of St. Arugula to protect, like, the royal family from being murdered. That was like, Mwah. now they're gone. Like, all these cartoony yeah. characters have just, like, died. Like, it yeah. was good. I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> um, I didn't watch, I didn't go into Crown of Candy expecting haha funny. So, like, I'm not, like, upset that there weren't, because I didn't find it very funny. I don't think it, like, it genuinely was not that fun for me when they were doing all these, like, little side bits. Like, I was just <laughs> sitting there dead-eyed, like, can we, can we get back to <laughs> We have a whole spectrum. No, I do still ignore, like, I do still ignore, like, some of the bits that just aren't that funny to me. Like, the like, pissing and shitting bits. Like, <laughs> it was funny the first time, and then I was like, I can't. <laughs> Every time it really yeah. I feel like that's just gross enough to just be in character with, like, the kind of genre they're going for. But, like, it's the things, like, oh, yeah, my, like, 35 polyamorous parents are going <laughs> to split you open. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was so much. It was so... I do have to wonder if Brennan meant for them to have 35 <laughs> parents or if that was just a spur of the moment alley thing. Like, it was hello, let me pick your brain. You think Brennan? No, Brennan had like max four. Like, Brennan had max four partners in my Brennan, Brennan said, Jordan Jawbreaker is a, is a Christian, Christian, um, monogamous man with a loving wife and that is it and and four children that that is it and Ali was like no I have 35 parents in there because he split you open like a ripe plum is what you um all right uh, let's move on um yes let's talk a bit about like the latter half of a crown of candy um and how like yeah it was just a shame that it sort of suddenly shifted from political intrigue and the sort of deadliness of that genre um, and became sort of more conventional in terms of like D&D &D mm. fights where it's just like oh now they're just in a high fantasy land like fighting like it truly became like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah I don't think Brendan can resist from just adding like a vast amount of magical subplot in there like I don't <laughs> I don't I've been doing some self-reflection and I do think after um after episode 10 or 11 after um Sakurina got introduced is when my interest in 
kind of candy dropped off like up until buzzy brook even actually yeah up until buzzy brook i was very interested because mm. partly because i thought Carden was gonna die in that one and partly because <laughs> it was simply like i realized that we were 11 episodes in the finale is episode 17 we are never gonna get to see any of the other mm. countries and i was just like yeah. all right that's that's it i'm like i don't know um and it was also because of sakarina um that the magical subplot came to the forefront you know like mm. Rina, Sakurina is a fantastic character um I liked her a lot but unfortunately like she was deeply deeply tied to bringing back the magic to Candia like that was her entire yeah. thing and so it necessitated that the you know the PCs would go on that um earth and they would use like the magic to like do what they wanted in candy which was ultimately I guess Amethar, you know, Amethar did say for like a good 90% of the season that he never wanted to be king, that he thought his sisters were going to be the rulers of Candia, not him, and he was just a war guy. And then at the end, he was like, yeah, I love being emperor. Let's do this. And you know, you know, he's still literally, you know, Carmelinda is the one like doing all the paper for that. So just what is, what is. That was, that was a whole other thing. But, um. Yeah, I think with the fact, like, yeah, I think Brennan had always planned magic to be a big subplot in this show because, like, there is a reason why I guess all the backup characters were also tied to Magic of Candia in some way. But I also think that, like, because of Sack, like, it felt like a very sudden shift. Like, suddenly, um, and that was good in some ways, but then it also, like, didn't really tie, I guess, the magic subplot to the main plot of, like, there is a war going on very well. Yeah. Um, and I think Sakarina. Sakurina joining it was just, like, she was so OP. And I think, like, that was because Emily, like, I didn't know this beforehand because I don't actually play D&D that much. Um, But, yeah, like, Faizan mentioned to me, like, Emily sort of, like, cheated the system in that um, when she multiclassed, she took, like, abilities from, I think, yeah, it was Cleric. um, God, I don't know anything about (laughs) D&D. She took, took, like, abilities. Storm Cleric, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sort of, like, maxed her damage. Um, so it ended up like, that is the reason why she ended up being so powerful. Um, and it was both like her playing the game really well. And then Brendan also, I guess like the enemies weren't yeah, strong enough. And you to know what? She deserves that. Like yeah. she deserves <laughs> to be massively overpowered. Like it was cool as hell when Sakurina thunderstepped into that, um, area yes. and just like took out half the, that was honestly like dope as hell. But it was like, I really don't think, like, I do understand that magic was like a part of Candia from the very beginning but it just seems so abrupt like the mm. the oh, battles yeah. got so much less deadly as it went on and I could not tell whether it was because Brennan did not want to kill off his players so late in the season mm. or if it was simply because it is hard to keep your battles lethal in yeah. D&D mm-hmm. as you level up mm-hmm. like I've played it I've done combat sessions for my um for my home games before and like y- you think that they're not going to be able to find a way to do something, but they will. They will. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's truly deadly. It has to be, like, incredibly. And that was part of what made the Sugar Plum Fairy fight so awful for me because <laughs> she went down with so hardly, hardly a bit of fuss. Like, she yeah. was she went just like that. And that was so. I know. I really um, wanted her to be so much more, like, intimidating. And, like, <laughs> the only moment of danger in that episode was when Cumulus sort of like went down um but then Sakurina healed him immediately and then like oh my god he should have died in the pension comeback I swear to god no literally I'm in the same boat I think Cumulus and I don't say this because I hate Cumulus but because I love him it's like he should have had that heroic sacrifice bringing back like he should have 
like if he died bringing back um and saving the magic of candia like that would have been such a good arc i think for him um and but, here's yeah. another thing oh god i cumulus was not is one of the npcs that suffers from not being able to be developed syndrome mm, because yeah he's sure. got such an interesting past but he was truly just a guy like he was <laughs> he was truly... just a guy he was a big character all the time i can't think of about anything about cumulus besides the fact that he like cracked Killed chicken chickens. necks all the time <laughs> yeah like what he is was the really point into like magic yeah like here's the thing right if um here is why Lapan was my favorite PC because mm. in a somehow in a game that was marketed as D and D Candyland Game of Thrones, there was only one character that was genuinely involved in politics, and that yeah. was Lapan. Like, yeah, Amathar is a king, but he's Don't illiterate. His <laughs> wife is the one doing the work, and she doesn't even like doing that. Um, his daughters are one of them wants to run away to a circus, the other one would probably also run away to the (laughs) (laughs) right and and then you have theo who's just a knight and then you have i'm sorry i know liam 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 is just a guy he is truly just a guy he has guy syndrome he has just a guy syndrome (laughs) um like he's a great character but like all of these characters i love all of these characters it's just a pen was the only one mm. in a political game that was actually involved in politics that was why it was so devastating when he died because yeah just like that like it like i imagine the rocks family is just a big ball of aluminum foil like hanging by a thread until like swinging like a pendulum onto the larger plot mm-hmm. and when that thread snapped and it was the pen who died and that thread snapped it just became the rocks family drama like it's yeah. just the rocks family yeah. show it's just the reality tv them squabbling in a mountain for for three episodes as well. yeah <laughs> and i think that happens like that was good in its own way because i like um like the genre of it was very fun i did kind of like that when the deadly when the tension of like whether people will die had sort of disappeared it was at least we had the tension of like saccharina and ruby are fighting like um this can still end in like absolute death um and the fact that it didn't was like um like both good and bad you know like um, yeah it was so, so boring to me when people died like for good like so i had good. Ever, like oh, after le pen died like i got addicted i was like every it was so good yeah i, th- I think for me once saccharina was introduced and it was like oh she's really competent and she's like killing a bunch of people i had a lot less interest in the combat episodes mm. i do think however I think it was Buzzy Brook. I always forget episode names. But when they had um, Joran, like, at, if they didn't the get noose. to him in time. Yeah, Joran at the noose. If they didn't get to him at time, he would be hanged. And also, like, there were the houses that had, like, um, Lan's mom in one of them. And, like, th- I like it when they introduce I- NPCs who are vulnerable, who ha- they have to protect. Because then it's like, oh, yeah. you, okay, so you can't die. But this person yeah. you care about can die. So I do true. like that mechanic. I, I think if he would have gotten harder in it, that would have yes. been cool. Yeah. I I hated Joran, but <laughs> I loved that he could like it wasn't even it wasn't it didn't even have to be him. Like I was if any single one of the um like a vulnerable NPC, like you have to do this. Or like because he was about to be hanged when they warped in. He was literally like they had they pulled the um 
the ladder from under him like the moment they stepped on the scene that was so good to me it was like he is literally gonna die in like two turns if we don't get to him and they got to him but (laughs) it is the tension and then after they got to him i was like okay just like let me know when it's (laughs) over i guess wake Um, me up when the episode ends yeah no wake me up when keridan's here because i know there's a vegetarian tent True. I literally think the stakes were what made me actually engaged in these combat episodes in a way that I wasn't in like other D20 shows where it's just like where I sort of like zoned out um in some of the combat episodes because like playing combat is fun but watching other people play, play combat is not that fun so oh, I, I don't enjoy yeah. playing combat either <laughs> so true. um yeah so it was just like having because people could die and because it was such like a tense moment and everyone had to like really make really work hard it was like that's what made it so fun. Like, that's what I really enjoyed about it. And having that sort of, like, go away in some of the latter episodes. Like, especially the finale, where it was, like, that would that should have that been the deadliest. The most, oh, that was, was the so most boring fight I've ever seen. Like, I'm not going to lie. I yeah. did not watch the entire first. Um, I did not watch the entire first half of the episode, which was episode 16. And I missed nothing. Like, I truly did not miss anything. <laughs> It was really unfortunate because, like, that should have been the deadliest. Like, it was the finale you'd want it to be the deadliest mm-hmm. episode, but, like, it just wasn't. It was, like, absolutely one of the less tense ones. Like, they got through all their enemies pretty easily. Um, yeah, yeah, even the super important, uh, like, know. NPCs, like, Plumbeline and everyone, like, like, they went down easy. I know. What happened to Shibata with over 50 HP? He just yeah. went out like that. Oh, it was so devastating. And, like, yeah, because it was, like, and I didn't mind, like, actually, like, the war mechanics, like, wasn't weren't too bad, but I wanted them to be, like, deadlier right like i wanted to have a reason to really pay attention to them um because they weren't bad it was just like because nothing happened it was kind of boring my favorite battle this season it was not the cathedral fight like that was great but it was actually the boat fight like that was Ooh. i think oh that was God, like the perfect the fight, fight. Like, yeah theo in the water about to drown and he yes. uses his like swirl word so to true. leap out of the water that was so that was chills like i still have chills thinking about that scene i think my favorite is the cathedral actually (laughs) just because like even though like lapan dies in it i was like fucking oh my god i still haven't rewatched it to this day girl boss moment that that fight (laughs) that fight was a girl boss moment it was yeah so true but oh god the boat fight was just it was just it was no one even died in that one but it was just so yeah, it yeah. was very intense. I cried at the prospect that Primzy might die. I didn't I don't think I cried <laughs> so before, true. but I really liked Primzy and she went down and all the emotions of everyone who died before her just came up to me right there <laughs> and I literally cried. Oh my god. Yeah, I was, was going through it two weeks after Le Pen died. I was going through it. Um Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true me too. Like I don't think I ever fully got over his death. Um, I really enjoyed episode four as well because because um, that was like the tenseness of because Amatha got poisoned so early on. Like they did finish it off really quickly because like Brennan was not expecting Ali to have the um, detect poison um, spell. But the fact that like, yeah, that tense moment where like, like the players knew that Amatha was dying, but the characters did not. That was so, that was good. That was fun. Oh, episode four was also so much, but like for entirely different reasons for me. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 so true. <laughs> No if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Let's go back. Let's go back to the back half of ACOG because we got yeah. way off course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Aside from the uh, the decrease in lethality in the uh, in the battles, which you know could be for any number of reasons that we talked about, 
I also do not like the kind of switch between the political intrigue of the earlier half of the season to like magical candy and subplot. I do think it had to do with Buzzy Brook after mm. Buzzy Brook because the pin died. There was no way that any of these characters were going to get more from their political allies because they didn't have any that knew more than them at this point. So they had to like find Carradine's letters and they had to be like, oh, yeah, this is everything that's been going happened. on yeah cool it's over now we can focus on um you know the magic subplot mm. and that was so that was so much tonal whiplash for me it really yeah, was. It was really abrupt and also like we did uh, this is another I, this this is a nitpick that i have with the um the kind of thing that brennan set up with the Baldwin church mm. and other people have talked about this with like uh, smarter people have talked about this in better detail <laughs> like for example but mm. um i don't like the whole thing of the Baldwin church was like, oh, you know, the Baldwins are not all that bad. You know, it's just there are there is the institute of the church and there are people who go to church and is it is the institute of the church and those who would like abuse the power of religion yeah. to like in, to like enforce the beliefs they want and mm-hmm. to like further their political motivations. And they really dropped the ball on that one because they we only ha- we did not have sympathetic Baldwin characters before episode um i don't remember what it was was it 14 when they went back to the um when they went back to port syrup and discovered sir morse Bree? that was yeah like that was a it was like oh yeah like actually not all the bubbins were bad because you know your friend was one and we did not even see sir morse Bree for he did not have more than five lines in the show um we learned that carmelinda was a devout bubbian in a single line also in the back half of the show you cannot set up a message that's like not everyone who goes to church is bad. It's those who abuse the authority of the church that is bad. When you set every single Baldwin up as a major villain in the first half of the show and show that there mm. are no sympathetic Baldwins, you cannot do that. And you cannot be like, oh, yeah, like actually the indigenous spirits of Kanye, those are that's where like the, our magic came from before the Baldwins came and wiped them out. And then have the party go and kill the last remaining yeah. indigenous spirit in all of Candia. Like, yeah. Mm. What are you trying to get at here? Like, pick a message and stick to it, please. And I know that it's not scripted. I know it's not scripted. I know that the players could, um, you know, would do what they want. And you can only set up, like, like the world building and see what they're going to do with it. But man is it weird to be like yeah this is a direct analogy for christianity and the christian god and also all of the magic in this world comes from that christian god and like the this world's mm. equivalent of the devil like you can't yeah. be like indigenous practices are oppressed by the equivalent of christianity and then be like yeah actually that magic comes from the calorum equivalent of the christian god either like you cannot do that it doesn't make sense yeah i think it comes from yeah. like brennan did not have like the time or nuance I guess he wanted or that he should have um in terms of like describing how religion works in this world um yes so it was that kind of thing where like I'm sure the sugar plum fairy like was set up as a more morally gray character but because like the switch happened so fast and Pan died so we no longer had that connection with her and Zacharina was like a character who was firmly against her we didn't have that interest that nuance in like the sugar plum fairy wanting to protect the magic and like what she'd been through in terms of like watching all of um Canyon's native religions like crumble because of the Balbian church mm-hmm. um yeah we didn't get any of that and like I wanted her I wanted that morally grayness I wanted the I wanted the Kenyans to be just devastated when they had to kill her right because she is the yeah. sort of, like she was that last bit of culture and magic yeah 
Yeah, but no, they were all just like, yeah, let's loot her corpse now. And everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, she sucked. Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it sucked. It I do think, like, I know that, um, like, the Saccharina thing, like, that was unfortunate. But I don't think, I do think making the Sugar Plum Fairies powers come from the belt, that was a fundamental misstep in, like, the themes that yeah. Ben was trying to get across. Like, I should, I do think it should have come from belief. Like, making it, why did... Why did he make Citrina like, oh, you know, she was so kind, she was so caring, and the bull didn't care about her at all. He didn't care that she was worshipped her like that. It just, it's so, why can't gods be based on, you know, the people who believe in them? Why can't, ah, uh, it's just so, uh, like, fundamental misstep. I really did not enjoy that at all. Yeah, everything about religion, everything about religion in A Crown of Candy gets really muddy and fussled up and I feel like some things are good and some things are bad, but mostly I just think about the bad. Like, it, I don't know. I, the the fight with the Sugar Plum Fairy was very out of left field for me. I didn't, un- I did, like, to this day, I still don't truly understand why they would ever have to, like, kill her in the way that um, Brennan always set her up. Like, mm. she is that source of culture. She is that source of magic. I wish there was a way that the party would have reasoned with her and i wish the party like all the cast members would have like at least thought to themselves or thought amongst each other hey maybe maybe this shouldn't be a fight to the death (laughs) yeah maybe we shouldn't kill this once maybe we should be friends friendship please i want that stupid french like love conquers battle for once for once just please But that's the problem with d is it when you've spent so long playing a game that, you know, this is a character with a stat block. That means we're going to kill gonna it. Kill, that's yeah. what it means. Like, like um, in Fantasy High, there was a skater fight that happened for no reason. Like, I don't, to this day, yeah. I don't know why. There were, like, like middle schoolers. It was like, on those, yeah, you know, I, I just missed that episode. Yeah, it's so weird. Why? What was the point? Yeah. Well, it's D&D, so it's like yeah. if it... If it breathes, we're killing it. That's how it is. And I don't <laughs> like that. Oh, we have our religion episode, but we're actually recording this episode beforehand. So we don't have all of our thoughts about religion fully tallied up yet. So we might have some contradiction. Yeah, this is my non-professional opinion. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that. that's totally fair because that is what that is what like was put in text like in text that's what brennan said mm-hmm. and even though chrome yes. will probably come with like insight of like what brennan meant or what like how they interpret it it's like yeah i mean you can only interpret so many things from what is canonically in there which is yeah which is a shame because there was there could have been so much more nuance with the whole religion and magic plot but it just didn't just didn't turn out that way and that sucked it mm. simply did not yeah um <laughs> oh wait i do yeah. want to say one more thing about like oh god there was this whole thing about like the scope of calorum that we never got to see because of like this i really should have mentioned this earlier but the scope of the amount of calorum we did not get to see like i do think a song of ice and fire did one thing right like for all its flaws and weird like weird undertones of everything i do think it did one thing right which is that it switched between so many points of view like it switched mm. between you know commoners points of view it switched between like the most the most powerful people in the world and it switched between you know like some hedge knight who was just a guy yeah and I think that's so valuable to you know have a character do an action in a chapter maybe two books ago and then see the repercussions of the actions not just on the people around them 
but on the common folk, you know, so like, true. oh, this person died. Maybe that doesn't affect maybe that doesn't affect the common folk as much as it did the other point of view characters. But that one like decision they made to have a land bill repealed, like that is affecting them a lot more than the other nobles cared about. And mm. I do think that is one place that Crown of Candy could have done better with because we have all the characters are their royal family or they're connected to the royal family. We don't have a yeah. single common. Yeah. We don't get to see how their actions affect the common people. We're not, we're not. They don't um, even really talk to commoners. Yeah. Like they we're don't get to sympathize. Right. right. We're fighting to save Calorum, but why would we care about Calorum? We don't interact with anyone who would give us a reason Sorry, to true. empathize with the common folk of the um, continent that they're trying to save. Like, oh, you want magic for all? Who are these people yeah. that you want to get magic for? Like, because so, yeah. it only really seems like you right now that has magic. And, well, you have magic, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I sure. think talking about common folk again, that also plays into how the marauders were presented. Because mm. they were common folk. They were people who were abused by the Bolivian faith. They were people who rallied under Saccharina. And until very recently, Saccharina believed herself to be, well, no, because she knew that her father was Amathar Rocks. But until recently, there was no way for her to prove that. So she lived her life as a common folk. And all of the marauders that we learn about are, like, very jokey characters. They're yeah, swifty. They're villainized swifty. <laughs> at the end of the show. And so. they're, villain, they're either villainized, they're either not explored enough, or they're jokey characters. Mm. And, like, or the the both because Swifty is villainized and also a jokey character like that I, know. I, I, yeah. I, I don't like half the jokes about the marauders like the joke about how like Swifty like killed his wife I don't know what's wrong with Swifty <laughs> you made him anything else Brennan I like that he's divorced I like that about yeah of course you do like he's divorced but I he like doesn't count as the divorce yeah. and here's the thing I do think Sakarina and Gooey's dynamic could have been so interesting because it, you know it was the queen and her like advisor and I do think they had more of a history there but I don't like how she was just like yeah like um she's gonna peg Theo like that's that was her thing <laughs> after uh Theo. yeah no yeah I like I do <laughs> it's just a little much for me that like there were NPCs that were set up to possibly have like interesting storylines etc um it's just unfortunate that we don't have time to explore them all and mm. she couldn't have been like something else outside of yeah like she's gonna pick Theo like <laughs> like I'm pretty sure all of the conversations after that were surrounded about her pegging Theo there was nothing more about like <laughs> how she was connected to Saccharina like why the why she formed the Marauders like how they were got like how Saccharina got taken in by the Marauders in the first place because I think that could have been so interesting right. to explore and John Bond is fully like not able to communicate like that, and Swifty is <laughs> Swifty like a Swifty. Swifty, right? And Swifty like, is not a guy. He does not have just the guy syndrome. He has a whole other. He has like almost going to be the, the chain syndrome. smoker, chain smoker, um, <laughs> society syndrome. And, yeah, chain yeah, smoker like, society syndrome. <laughs> Gooey would have been the one to like, um, you know. It, explain mm. like Sakurina's past with the Marauders and how she grew up into the person she is because she's the one that's closest to Sakurina. She's the one who's there for her while she was, you know, like um learning her magic, unlearning everything she's repressed, you know, coming to terms with the fact that, you know, if she wants what she wants in the world, she'll have to take it for herself. And then 
yeah. she's just tagging Theo now. No, it's yeah, just, I think there's oh. like there is something to say about like the misogyny of that woman maybe turning this yeah. interesting female character and then we're making her like I don't know just be still somehow revolving around a man, which is like so annoying to me. Um, and yeah, she was such an interesting character. So like, we never even find out what happened to a scar. Um, and it's like yeah, like hashtag girl boss I guess for pegging a guy, yeah. but <laughs> like where is the complexity? Hashtag like, feminism oh question mark. <laughs> Yeah, that was. So that was you're, you're a feminist. Name every care. Name every woman. Name every, every woman. <laughs> you're a feminist. Have you ever pegged a man? Oh my god. Um, right. Anyway. Um. Yeah, and I think honestly, the thing with Gooey does remind me of another point where it's like, um, sort of the LGBT rep in A Crown of Candy, where it's like, um, we don't like. I know Brennan said that it was like are gonna be like. A different genre and, and thus we're not gonna get a lot of romance in it um but i think there's something to say about how there's no happy like gay relationships in the show really at all um and we could have gone that if amanda had shown up if liam had died and amanda showed up but we didn't and so all we have is like tragic it's like borderline barrier gays with like cara cara and lasley which i really enjoyed like i loved that cara has a tragic backstory i love that about her um and i really deeply enjoy that sort of tragedy relationship but i think there's something to be said when like that's the only one we kind of have at this point like i'm gonna be real like we were like us as fans were so into it that we like made up tragic yeah like, relationships <laughs> we just made up tragic. because mm. and then we were right about it we were like ah, oh, wouldn't it be cool if caramelinda had to like tragically marry one of amethar's um amethar because she was in love with amethar's sister and then and then it was real except we picked the wrong one like we <laughs> guessed it was safria and we guessed wrong <laughs> oh my god that's still so funny but, to me that we managed to do that and yeah no I'm i so was happy. like pharaoh she no pharaoh was like hey august which which sister should i write in and i was like do lazuli and they were like oh i already did safria and i was like cool and then we met about it but oh we were so close to like getting so it right we were so close to having an nda <laughs> placed upon us the butterfly um, effect Hey, but if you look at like the popular like if you look at the popular pairings in a crown of candy you'll notice that you know it's it's, it's tragic like we make up things to be tragic about we make up like if we're not given that stuff we make it up you look at Kalmadar, you look at sweet religion it's like yes, truly true. if there's nothing there we're gonna make something there and we're gonna make it sad is what we're gonna do and yes. like i think it's great when we do it but it's not great when brennan does it because brennan is i think like a straight man and i don't think he should be allowed to do that yeah i don't think so right that's it because like i think in the end it's like he is still like a straight man writing this kind of stuff um and like having nothing to balance it out like i know he was really excited for amanda to come in but the fact but then like liam never died so she just never we never got that happy um gay relationship like all of the relationships just like either like they're non-existent like the fact that we still don't have really any um i was gonna say blem <laughs> <laughs> relationships between gay men in the show is yeah it's kind of like it's like dodgy oh no point. we do there's the um there's the pigeon and That's the uh, the rabbit there's but the like, pigeon and the rabbit <laughs> Literally, mm-hmm. like, the two lion statues and then the pigeon and the rabbit and then recently, very recently, the Shen family. Um, but otherwise, like, we have no main um, relationship between gay men and the show, which is, like, yeah, there's something to be said about that. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, this was a hard season to sort of do, like, happy rep, but it was still, like, yeah, I don't know, a shame in comparison to, like, especially, like, um, Fugada and... Like, here's the thing. I'm not saying that you can't have people who die. It's just you have to yeah. balance that out with people who don't die. Yes, is especially what it is. if you're a straight man. <laughs> like, yeah. 
even if they were boring, and I'm certain they would have been boring, but like, <laughs> if they like, just had existed, if they had just existed, right. it would have been. Yeah, it's like so for boring. sure, if like they existed, I would not, I would still not really care, but. Like, That's I would true. Still, I would not have cared about that. I would no, not. I have, they would not have given me brain rot as much as the tragic relationship. It's about, but it's about the, yeah. I, yeah, it is about the up. Like I know that, like because he wants to be like good about it, he would have made them like you know. Oh yeah, they're they're a couple, and you know they're very happy together. And like yeah, she mentions her wife in like one sentence and that's fine that's fine um but you know at least exist right but i would not have fixated on them because that's not interesting to me like yeah. there's nothing for me there yeah, for sure. um yes let's get back to i guess the finale of the show um i think what august pointed out earlier about um not really getting like the common perspectives is a really good point because i think you could like there is an argument here that a crown of candy uh, promotes and upholds imperialism <laughs> <laughs> like obviously um you know it's a love letter to game of thrones we couldn't exactly not have the royal family in there and the monarchy in there and i like, like i don't media, think it's that deep i don't yeah, think they I don't were think trying it's, that deep. it's not <laughs> that deep it's just like a little um like I, i'm not mad about the fact that it just ended with them becoming mm. um like if anything i'm more mad about the fact that amethar was like i don't want to be king and then he became concordant emperor with no problem <laughs> like i'm more mad yeah. about that than i am about the fact that it was upholding imperialism but it is a lot that, like, you don't give any reason to care about the common folk. It is yeah. a lot that, yeah. you know, we're given the marauders, which are, like, anti-imperialist, I guess, I guess. And then they're just like, yeah, they looted the city. They're the bad guys now. That's yeah. a little... For sure. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, I think everyone sort of understands that a crown of candy is, um, because it's that love letter thing, it's, like, not going to end with people abolishing the monarchy or anything. It's, <laughs> it's very much going to be about, um, it's very character-centric, and it's very, like, this... Well, the setting is just a medium for these characters to explore like complex relationships with each other. And it's not really about the imperialism, but because, yeah, they didn't show that common perspective and they didn't like, we didn't, yeah, we get like the only common perspectives we get are sort of villainized. Um, it just does end up with this weird message of like, oh, it's cool that they're like, yeah, their their victory is like they're back as monarchs again. Um, we don't really see a lot of them reckoning with the consequences. Yes, like it really was just returning to like, oh yeah, we're back as monarchs. That's it. We're not gonna have a discussion about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I don't know. I think because here's the thing, right? They had vast political like everything they did because they were monarchs had vast vast implications mm. on every in the world of calorum like you cannot kill off three quarters five sixth of all the political leaders in calorum <laughs> and then well yeah it's great everything's you know like liam liam's liam's a seed guy now and you it's like the end it. of the breakfast club Yes, you have to deal with the fact that you killed Senator Sh Shibata. You have to deal with the fact that you you killed all, everyone who was in power in the church. You have to deal with the fact that you overthrew like an entire thing. Mm. And you don't see any of that at all in the epilogue. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm, <clears throat> I get pegged by gooey. I, I grow things in the garden. What about the people you displaced? <laughs> what about... What about yeah. what is going on? Even in, if like like what about all the common folk that were attacked during the exactly. um, Inquisition of the Bolvian? What about Syria? Like, is there a revolt going on there right now? What about like Muffinfield? Because Muffinfield hated the rocks. Yeah. Is there a civil war going on there right now? What's what's happening? Oh my god, there's a seeding. <laughs> 
Like, I understand that I'm not gonna having time. I'm going to be thinking time. about that for a long time. So sorry. I'm just now thinking about muffin fields. Okay. Continue, Sam. Um, I think, like, despite, like, even if they didn't have time to explore that in the epilogues, it's, like, the kind of thing where it's, like, well, Amathar started a whole war um, because of his marriage. Like, we didn't get to see any of the personal repercussions of that. Like, we're told that Bulbian, um, that the Bulbians invaded villages at the borders of Candia. But we never, like, the I feel like the cast never really have to reckon with that. Like, we never see sort of the the really harmful impacts of having people like having like one person in power and in charge of a whole nation. It's like, because their petty, their petty squabbles end up in thousands of deaths. Um, right. And, and we they sort never of like, explore. We, yeah. We never they really never get that explore. explore, which is a shame because I think it would have been really interesting and also, yeah. Prevent the sort of, I think like, the common folk of Candia hate Amathar. That's my hot take. And they, as they should, as they, as they should. should. They should. <laughs> like I sympathize with Amathar because he's the main character, but, they like truly do not explore any of the repercussions mm. any of their actions have on the people. Like, uh, ah, yeah. like Annabel Cheddar was like someone who um left like the monarchy and was like, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do my thing now, and then she never showed up again. <laughs> <laughs> I truly did want to know more about her. Truly, so many. I actually. Like, this may sound homophobic of me, but I'm loud, but I don't care about Annabelle. She's not interesting for me to I'm not <laughs> for that. Like, Yeah, to be fair, August is a lesbian. They're allowed to be. They're allowed to be homophobic. <laughs> Towards I Shetland. wish I could care about Annabelle Cheddar, but she's given me nothing to care. Like, good for her, I guess. Like, come back when you're, come back when you're, like, divorced, divorced? or, like, repressed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Annabelle, so true. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Annabelle could have been really, really interesting, but yeah, we just don't get to see a lot of her. Um, yeah, I just think that if she had like more conversations with sort of like the cast who are t- who are sort of struggling with their responsibilities as she is someone who left, um, that could have been interesting. But we don't get a lot of that, which is a shame. I would have loved to see more of her and Jet because Jet was like in the same position as she mm. was, you know, like, mm. and uh, yeah, I don't know why did Amathar be like ah. Oh, Sakarina, my daughter, I would be honored to take the concordant. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's very much like I sort of see it as like it's because Amathar, um, like because Jet died and because he's suddenly being forced to like see what, like in in some ways, like see how him being king is affecting everyone. That he's finally like waking up to it, but it was like not very well. It was not very well communicated. Yeah, I, I think it was because it w- they were in a warehouse at 2 a.m. Yeah, and they true. all wanted to go home and sleep. <laughs> so true. Yeah, very fair. Yeah, talking about the finale, I guess. Um, yeah, it was just like, it was kind of anticlimactic for me, um, even though like I did enjoy the message of them, like, you know, coming together at the end and how even though all these tragic things happen, like they can still change. Um, but yeah, it did lose a lot of the tension from that first few combat episodes that I really like sorely missed. Like I wanted the finale to be like the most insane deadly for one sure, where like people sure. died and like, yeah. <laughs> but the only one at risk was like Joran and like he survived. Like he only got through two death saving throws. Um, and here's the oh thing. I, I did enjoy like so the little, I did. Oh God. Oh, don't get me started on how bad I want Theo to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. I wanted um like, I did. There were so many things I wanted for the finale. I'm not going to mm. go in depth into them all, but oh, I wanted the statues of the. They set up like the thing with the constructs that mm. Oliver Onion Patch is working on. Imagine if they animated the constructs of the yeah. sisters' statues in oh the castle. God, Imagine yes. if they had a confrontation. God. 
within the castle. I'm overall satisfied with like the deaths that we got, the deaths specifically that we got in the um in the finale battle and not anything else. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think I would have loved the finale to be like um, yeah, they have they still have the war mechanics. Maybe it's a bit deadlier on the outside, but then like the actual emotional fight happens within the castle. Like they I fight really they... love the one on one. Like yeah, I really love the one on one. Yeah. So like it, I was yeah. so engaged in the final after weeks of not caring because <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is gonna be so good. We're gonna see everyone like work this out. Yeah, and they did, and they did, and then you know, like the last fifteen minutes of. <laughs> Of the final happen, and we're not going to speak about what happened because it's just, oh, it's just so so world breaking. Really did have like the perfect death, and then yeah, the most perfect yeah. death, and then Liam was like, "I've forgiven you. I'm gonna put you in a jail." Like, why does Carden get cast- forgiven and resurrected? Said, and there are so Liam many said, common folk who died. Who oh. nobody gives a fuck about. Liam said, it, "Reinstate so the prison crazy. system." Liam said, "Reinstate <laughs> the prison system." My God, I think he should have just. Oh God, uh, <laughs> I fully think Brendan should have stepped uh, in and been like, "No, this um, is where yeah. I draw the line." Yeah, I think it was just like the whole thing because I, resurrection was like not allowed in this en- entire show that to have it suddenly happen at the end for like no super meaningful reason, just kind of like, oh damn, truly villains. I'm sure they would have, like, they would, like, A, resurrection, resurrection would not have worked on for that long. Yeah. B, like, didn't, their souls get, like, taken by the hungry one? Isn't that what Le Pen said? Like, yeah. I, they don't have the magical ability that Le Pen had to just be able to stay in one place and not get sucked in. And C, I just really wanted Carradine to stay dead. Like, I yeah, think he just, <laughs> he's not going to learn anything while he's alive. He should have just, you know, like, conked out. Like, great, but, like, that's... <laughs> He's not gonna get better. Just let him go. yeah, just let him go. So true. Let um, him go. Let yeah, him it was that kind of thing line. where those one-on-ones were like really good, and I wish they'd happened like, I mean, almost for longer, right? Like, I think all of those um, mm. one-on-one fights could have happened like within the castle in a battle set where it's like in the throne room of a castle of a castle camp. The glass oh platforms my God, were very atmospheric. Battle set. I must say, like, it was very atmospheric. The glass platforms. True. It was very mm. true. Very true. Um, yeah, I just would have liked that, I don't know, there's more, more of an intimate setting um, for these people to, like, finally, because they're not just tackling, like, their enemies, they're tackling, like, their, like, personal conflicts, right? Like, these are their mm. trauma, like, the figures of their trauma, um, and it would have been really nice to see that extended and almost, like, bigger, I guess, and le- and more of a threat than um, how they were when it was, like, a huge war scale. Yeah, and yeah. I just think Amathar's character arc was not complete, and him being confronted with, like, his sisters would have been so... <sighs> Wow, it was yeah. so good. <laughs> Going way back, at one point, Sam, you mentioned that like the tension of the combat episodes really dropped. Mm. I feel like that's because most of the tension therein came into the role play episodes through like the player versus player conflict. Yeah. However, the player versus player conflict was not good. It was not well executed. It, it didn't feel like it had like a stable foundation. It just felt really willy-nilly to me personally like it's just super frustrating to see again a bunch of royals who should think of their country first like personal matters later like oh saccharina solves all of our problems if we accept her and she is willing to be accepted and then they're like "Mm, no no we don't trust you Ooh, are you are you were you poor 
Poor. <gasps> Were you, you know, mm, did you, uh, you, you slept, you slept in a, you slept on the floor? You slept, did, Ew! You slept? Are your elbows no. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I did like that Ruby was just, like, her thing was just so yeah. heavy. I love that. That's just yeah, how teenagers are. Like, fuck you. Like, I think it works for Ruby. I don't think it works for Amathar. I think like, it works for Amathar because, like, I think he's just so grief struck like i just i yes, do think I losing do his daughter think like, like fucked him up yeah. so much like, he's like I who are you like i you are yeah. not like my daughter because i don't know yeah. who you are like yeah so i think that was interesting but at the same time like i know that they're just people they cannot always have the interest of their like people um right. keep the interest of their people in mind but at the same time it's like oh if i wanted to see like royal couples fighting like i just like to <laughs> the british tv or something like, <laughs> British TV so boring. Yeah, I can remember, I think the PvP for me, like I actually quite enjoyed the um the conflict. I think some of it, sometimes the writing sort of fell flat in that like it didn't mm. quite completely make sense. Why exactly like Ruby and Amatha like dislike her so much, or why Sakarina would push away, and you sort of have to do the legwork for the show in sort of like <laughs> like yeah, do the legwork for the show in sort of like making those motivations like make sense and clear to you. Um, yeah, because I feel like I it was like more, it did like yeah. leap to like extremes at certain points like. Um, with Theo joining Sakarina or Sakarina saying like you guys hate me even though they're clearly like in grief or like yeah the little things where it's like I could have really dealt with a bit more of a smoother transition yeah and definitely the interpersonal like player relationships played into that like I know that they didn't want to end up doing PvP because um you know like Emily and Siobhan were like I don't want to ruin our friendship over this and of course Murph joined his wife because you know like that's just solidarity yeah that's cute but um like it does make you have to work a bit hard and it's back to the like the time limit they didn't have the time enough to explore mm. like all of it but although if it were like another like another few episodes of like family drama i really might have tuned out like everything really <laughs> 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 so um but, but yeah. yeah yeah like here is the thing and i was gonna say something right now but i stretched <laughs> and i forgot what it was um oh yes yes the fact that there's so much missing is what makes it good to create for like there's such a boom in like the fan works and it's because there were so many things that we were like it is the like the instinct that makes you it is the manic pixie dream girl instinct that makes you (laughs) look at something and you're like i can fix this i can make you better true yeah exactly like we mentioned in the first episode where it's like if like if a crown of candy was perfect we would not be making this podcast like it's because yeah. that's why yeah that's why that i don't make the unsleeping city like fan art because it's just <laughs> good enough on its own that it doesn't need my input yeah exactly mm-hmm. i i did want to say that like final thoughts on pvp is like i i don't know maybe it was my intuition that i felt like it was never gonna be like that Sakarina and or Ruby decide to betray each other, and that mm. partly is because they're friends in real life and stuff. But another point, not another point, but like just knowing that that they're never they never will turn against each other, it felt really pointless that we spent so much time on will they or won't they? It was like a weird version of a rom com, not not like that, but the whole thing of like will they get together, will they not get together? Of course they're gonna get together in the end because it's. It's the nature of these things. It was very like, uh, why am I sitting through this when I already know the outcome? That was my thing. That, oh. It never felt real to me, the possibility that 
I they think, could betray each other. I think it was like Brennan was really Brennan was super ready to kill. He was really pushing it. He, he was, was really. So yeah. He was. I was like, go you, Brennan. Yes, kill these species. <laughs> I want this. It was like such a moment. I was like, yes. Um, but then I did like have that instinct where it's like gut instinct. Like, would this party as actors actually attack each other? And I didn't. Like, yeah. I did no, I think Brennan does a wonderful job at trying to kill them for like half. Yeah, it was real for me because I saw how Brennan was in escaping yeah. Bloodkeep. Like he literally set the entire thing up so they could all <laughs> fight each other and then they mm. like powered through with the power of friendship and like and like trust. And I was like, oh my god, he's gonna try so hard for this one. He's gonna try so hard to push the PvP. Mm. And I was like, he might you know what he might succeed. He might brainwash them yeah. into doing it. Um, That's what <laughs> I, I actually did. Like for me, it was a real risk because I did think like Brennan really you could tell how much he wanted the PvP. He's the one who sort of like as Karen Melinda was like, We hate Sakarina, like let's let's make this PvP happen as Karen Melinda. So I think like, yeah, that was the So true. Karen Melinda is like, I hate the poor. Um, <laughs> You know what? If she hates poor people, that's her right. Like that is her right. <laughs> I am cutting. Out. I'm cutting all of this out. God bless. <laughs> yeah. No. I no. Don't leave this in. Carolina can do what she wants. If she wants to like raise taxes on poor people, it, that's her right. That is her right to do so. That's that. So oh my god. She's allowed to hate the poor. She's not allowed to raise taxes on them. That's where I stand. <laughs> okay, all right. She's allowed to. She's allowed to be. She's allowed to be derogatory about poor people. Um, I just think that she can. That's her right. That's her. She's dealt with enough. I think she. I think I'm giving her a hate. <laughs> giving her a card. So true. So true. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. What What the fuck were we talking about before we were talking about Carol Melinda classes? Um, the PVP. <laughs> yeah. PvP, right. yeah I, yeah. For me, it was like a real risk, and I do think like, oh my god, I did want it to happen. I'm glad it didn't, but also like, I wish it did because like, and this is yeah, a very I specific viewpoint. Really I think like, I think <laughs> like in our circle, like a lot of people really enjoyed like the tragedy, but I know a lot of the people who got into Deep Dimension Twenty didn't like that part because like. All the other D20 shows are so cruisy, right? They're so chill and they're so, um, they're so normal. Oh, it is what I thought ACOC was by far the most popular season, but... Me too. No. <laughs> like, I'm always so staggered when people don't like a crown of candy. Same. While it was the thing that got me out of Dimension 20, it was also my favorite season <laughs> so of all time. Literally, like, yeah. I know a lot of people didn't like it because it's like... They were such a different genre from Fantasy High, and people watched it for like the escapism, I guess, of like found family and everything turning out all right in the end. But it kind of came to me was like, I love this tragedy, I love this drama. I'm just eating popcorn as I watch these people die. Like like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it when I experience yes. the catharsis of like, yeah, of when things hurt and like I cry, and it's really good. So I was like, when the PvP like could have happened, I was almost like, yeah, I actually like, I either way, like it would be amazing to me, like what happened. Um, and I did, yeah, the part of me sort of mourns that timeline where it's like the worst, most tragic ending where Amatha, <laughs> where Amatha dies at Ruby's and Saccharina's blades and they go each other and they have to kill each other and there's no one left standing by the end of the, oh, that would have been so good. I would have That's loved why we have fan fiction. So true. I would have loved it if the Sugar Plum Fairy was like, I can bring Jet back, but you have to kill Saccharina. Like right? that would have been <gasps> so, yes. like, oh my God. Here, like oh, I miss it in the first like not even half the first third of the season when every episode was like the cast was sitting right next to me just 
scouring the skin off my back, just flaying me alive, just cutting me in a vat of acid, but like just boiling me down to my bones. That so was, true. I love that. Literally, when Being like. turned into soup for two hours. <laughs> I literally miss being like, yeah, like set aflame by like episode six and episode four, like all the parts where like it was just so brutal. Oh, I, oh I my god! Like I don't know if you guys know this, but like um, episode three was released about six hours early on dropout by accident, and so we watched the entire thing. <laughs> no like, way! Before... Really? Oh yeah, 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 and that's when like Bethany and Joan, like a few others, because they have like something called honor, which is like not a quality I'm familiar with. <laughs> And yeah, that's why we had the Knights of the Round Table role in D20 Sock. If you guys didn't know, that's just a bit of lore for you. Oh but yeah, I, we watched the entire, like a few of us watched so the entire episode before, like six hours before it aired. And I was like, I, I don't know. I got, I, I got so fixated on Keridan for no reason during, during those six hours. <laughs> and anyway, like it was just the first third because it was just like, you know, it was so full of possibility. It was like, who, what's yeah. going to happen with this? Like, what's going to happen next? Are they going to go anywhere? Is this going to be relevant? And then by the light, later half, it was like oh, everything was tied up except for the players themselves. That was, mm. you know, it was like what's yeah. going to happen to the player characters instead of what's going to happen to the all these characters all that these we just met. So true. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so like even though the PvP didn't end in tragedy, I do want to say though that I really did enjoy it. And I know a lot, a lot of fans did enjoy it as well. Um, because I love that despite it, like, you know, despite all the flaws of a kind of canyon, like it still ends in the way, yeah, all Dimension 20 seasons um, and they do end up changing and they do end up taking that step towards recovery. And um, yeah, like even though all of this stuff happens, like it still ends up okay. Like if you make that effort, if you make that um, change, if like, yeah, Liam plants, oh no, he doesn't plant, he eats the seed. <laughs> he eats the seed <laughs> of change. Um, and yeah, and making that active effort to like forgive and like, I think it's so clear. I love that Ruby, when she confronts Camelot, it's like the hard decision here isn't to like fight Sakharina. The hard decision here is to be like vulnerable, like family is vulnerable. And that is the hard choice. And that is the harder choice over fighting Sakharina to like try and be vulnerable and trust, even though like all this stuff has happened and all they've been through, they're still, they still, they still have that opportunity to get better, which I do really love. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the quote that really makes me cry in the finale is like, it seems even something as primal as a dragon can be changed by a wish for a better world. Like, it's, love it, love it. The gooey, yeah, cheesy I part of me quote. is like, love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just completely agree, because even through all the bad stuff, at the end of the day, the finale did make me very emotional, mm. and it was a very nice finale to get through, and then, nice like, message. the moment it finished, I was like, okay, I can let go of all these emotions now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm still going through it. I'm still going through it. Oh, yeah, it. No, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> oh, so I'm still going true. through it. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Podcast of Candy. And if you're a cast member, oh my God, we're so sorry. We <laughs> promise we're doing this out of love. <laughs> um, yeah, so where can we find you, August? Thank you for guesting. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was a pleasure. It was a great time talking to all of you. Um, I'm on Cloudmancy on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, although I don't use that really. Um, I just post art there. Yeah, it's chill. <laughs> yeah, go check out August's art. It's good. Yeah, I love August's art. And uh, of course, <laughs> uh, you can find me at SpideyDevil616 on Twitter or GardensofEve on Tumblr. And you can find me at Kindlestark on Twitter and Kindlespark on Tumblr. 
So as always, this is a mini-series. Episodes will be released weekly on Monday night, AST. Yep, and you can find us um, at a podcast of Candy on Twitter and Tumblr to stay updated. Um, ask us questions um, that we want us to answer on our podcast through our Curious Cat on Twitter or our Tumblr inbox. And we always want to hear your opinions about our podcast episodes. So you can tweet about us, post about us using the hashtag ACOCPOD. That is A-C-O-C-P-O-D. So mm-hmm. we can find it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for listening. listening. That was so awesome. Okay. <laughs> August, you're supposed to say it too. No, I think I'm going to yeah, leave that like, so true in there. Like, that's no, just that's true. That's true. That, that was good. That was good.